Hello, everybody. Welcome into episode of episode five of Taking Heat here on a Thursday night. We're back to our normally scheduled uh, recording days, but we have some announcements to make. The, this week's episode was a little bit late getting up because I was getting my wisdom teeth taken out last week, as well as doing some work behind the scenes because we are now officially on Spotify. That's right. You can just go look up Taking Heat on Spotify. You should be able to find us, or you can check if you're watching on YouTube or Twitch. Check out the YouTube video that will be coming up a little bit later in the week. Link will be in the description to check us out on Spotify. Save the podcast there if you'd rather listen to audio only. You know, feel free. Whichever one you prefer, we have options for you. So you have no excuse to not listen to us whenever you can at this point now. Uh, if, you're not, if you're new to the show, if you're not familiar with it, basically what this is, it's a weekly competition in which the winner of last week's episode comes forth with a topic that we will all bring a take to the table and we have to argue amongst each other to see who has the best take and why they have the best take for the topic that has been presented. And last week's winner was Underwood, as you can see in the bottom left corner. I'm joined tonight by Cameron Woolwine in the top right, Jacob Underwood in the bottom left, and Logan Porter in the bottom right. Uh, and the topic that Underwood has brought to the table is the most unbreakable record in sports. Now, this could be something as far as just an absurd stat that no one can ever do again. It could be something that they legitimately, you cannot break it. Maybe there's a rule change that prevents you from breaking it, things like that. Uh, the most unbreakable record in sports. But before we get started, I'll open it up to y'all for some small talk. Uh, how are y'all doing tonight? Well, I'm doing excellent since nobody else jumped to the gun. I I got I got a new package today. Got some new books came in, so I'm, I, I've been excited all day. Okay, I'm Underwood. I was trying to avoid the awkward, you know, talk at the same time. Really <laughs> um, Thank you. But um, yes, uh, we just got out of workouts back home, um, so we've had pretty exciting time. We're about three months roughly from our season for basketball. We're doing a lot of preparation for our Christopher Girls High School season. I, uh, I'll go last. I've had, a, uh, I've had a pretty good day. I've spent some of the day just working on a uh, draft strategy for a fantasy football league, which maybe in the future we might talk about on this show. So stay tuned. Hey. That means if he wins, he will 100% bring it up as a topic. Fantasy. Fan, I mean, hey, fantasy football. Ask Matthew Barry. You can make a career out of it, and it sells. Yeah. Um. So be sure, again, yeah, I mean, that's something that we will absolutely consider down the road as football season is right down the corner, um, and I cannot wait for the start of the NFL season. Again, if you're new to the show, what happens here, for those listening on Spotify, you don't quite get to see it, but you can assure, rest assured it is on the YouTube channel as well as uh, here on Twitch. You can see I will bring in the wheel that will decide who goes so basically, whoever is named this lands on, they will be the ones that go first, and they will get us started. So, starting off the episode for the first take, it will be myself. So I will lead things off here on the show. All right, so at this point, we are five episodes in, and I think at this point, this is when you start to see personalities and themes start to come up in shows. And I, I think that's correct. I'm known probably at this point as the baseball guy. I think that's something I, I believe out of all of my uh, 
contributions so far. I think only one of them or two of them have not been baseball related, and that's because they were specific to certain sports. Uh, but everything else, it's it's been baseball. Well, that's not changing today. Um, it, it's gonna. I'm gonna continue being the baseball guy apparently because one thing I love about MLB baseball or just baseball in general is if you go back into the annals of history for MLB, there are some absurd records that will never even get touched ever again. Uh, ones that I considered were Cal Ripken Jr. over 2,000 consecutive games played over the course of his entire career. That's one that I consider. I considered Barry Bonds going for 73 in a season as well as 120 intentional walks in one season. Um, but I've decided I'm going back even farther than that, and I'm going to focus on one man in general. Uh, this man holds several records, several, in my opinion, unbreakable records, but I'm going to be focusing on one in particular that he holds, and that man is the is, has an entire award named after him, Cy Young. Cy Young was a starting pitcher in the 1900s who pitched in over uh, over 800 total starts. He had 815 in total. His career record was 511 and 316. Uh, the most wins in MLB history and the most losses in MLB history by a starting pitcher because he pitched every game. Uh, and the way it worked back in those days was if you did not pitch the entire game, you did not finish the game. Or you, it was seen as a sign of weakness. So these guys would pretty much let their arms deteriorate over 20-year careers, if not longer, just to show how strong they were and they weren't weak on the mound. And Cy Young was the epitome of that. There's a reason that the pitching award is named after Cy Young. Those two records are not the ones that I'm going to talk about. He also holds the record for most innings pitch, which is an absurd number. The one I'm going to key, to key in on, and the reason I said that, was he holds the record for the most complete games in MLB history. And that record is 749 complete games. That number, for people that aren't familiar with baseball, may not seem that crazy over the stretch of an entire career. You may think there's 162 games, 749 complete games. That's just, that's crazy. Well, it is when you take into consideration, especially the state that the MLB is in today. Um, Cy Young, again, 749 complete games. Second place in MLB history, and this includes pitchers from that time, pitchers like Walter Johnson, things like that, who was second in career wins. Second place is Pud Galvin with 646. So he has over 100 more complete games than in second place. In those times when pitchers didn't care about pitch counts, there wasn't a strict limit on how much they could throw, all that good stuff. It was just, it's crazy to think about. Um, some other stats to help that, in tw to, just to show how impressive and how crazy that record is. In 2021 alone, the league leader in complete games for the season had three games. Three complete games. It was Adam Wainwright, uh, German Marquez, and Zach Wheeler for the Phillies. To put this into perspective, a player would have to average 40, 40 complete games per season for 19 straight years to get back to this to this record. And the league leader had three last season. And the average career length for a pitcher is about 11 years. So a pitcher has to be otherworldly, has to be a part of probably a two-man rotation for the entirety of the season 
and go twice as long almost as the average career length of a pitcher, getting a complete game in almost every single start. Um, again, over 700 complete games. Even in an era where pitchers pitched until they... I'll take a, a, a quote from an, an old uh, SB Nation secret base video. You pitched until you sucked, and then you got taken out of the game. That's how it worked back in the day. And Cy Young was just so brilliant, even with 749 complete games. Yes, he has the most losses in, in baseball history, but he has almost 200 more wins than losses on, again, 700, over 700 complete games. It's something that we will never see again. Most pitchers aren't allowed to even go past 90 pitches these days if they even get there. It just doesn't happen. To see a complete game is celebrated in these times. If you did not pitch a complete game back in those days, you were seen as weak. And Cy Young with 749 complete games is a record that I don't see ever getting touched again. So to add on to that, uh, I was just I was looking through a list of complete game holders. Um the closest player to our kind of time right now um, to be on the list of the top 100 is Tom Seaver. And he, he only had 231 and he's tied for 100th place. Everyone else is from that old era of baseball. If you remember back last episode, I actually talked about the, about Tom Seaver a little bit with the Mets, uh, the Miracle Mets, but yeah, exactly. I mean, this is an era. And even then, Tom Seaver was still a while ago. This was, You're still talking in the 70s exactly. as far as exactly. that goes, when still pitch counts were not taken into consideration. Now, pitch counts are regulated heavily. There's upwards of – there's five main uh, starting – really, in this day and age with the MLB, you've got about four main starters if you're lucky, and then the rest, you may even have a bullpen game. You have some – you bring up guys from the minors. It's There's not even a set five – uh, starters anymore. Back in those days, you were if you had two, you may have two on your team, and that's it. Again, it's something that's just unbelievable. It's something that will never get touched again. Another one I considered was Nolan Ryan. Actually, he had seven no-hitters in his career, which is unbelievable. But when it comes to durability, no human body should be capable of pitching that many complete games over that period of time and still being as successful as he was. Now, of course, the success doesn't have anything to do with um, as far as, yeah, I'm not trying to use sway votes that way, but of course, when it comes down to, you've got to be good. You've got to be able to have that level of talent if your team trusts you to pitch that many innings, that many games. And clearly, Cy Young fit the bill for that for that job. Yeah, I also think that today's time of the ways that baseball is played, there isn't that much emphasis on a starting pitcher anymore. I mean, like we have Garrett Cole, who is Miley's favorite, but, you know, he's viewed as an ace currently. But there's a lot more emphasis put on relieving pitchers. Um, and the relief pitchers make a lot of money, too. Um, so like you talked about, back in the day, they went the whole nine. I mean, you talk about 10 or 12 years ago, coaches wanted to get them, or managers, wanted to get them through seven innings so they could have their setup and then their closer. Now, in today's game of baseball, if the starting pitcher gives you five innings, that's good. A lot of managers are okay with that, and that's halfway through the baseball game. So even the way baseball is played currently kind of changes that rule being made. Max Free, for example, for the Atlanta Braves, it was an all-star this year, and he averages about six innings per game over the stretch of his entire career. And it's exactly right. And we talk about it, you know, when you think pitchers of this day and age, 
the first names that come to mind, other than maybe a Clayton Kershaw and a Justin Verlander, the ones that I can, if I think pitching as far as uh, in my lifetime, the first name that comes to my mind is Mariano Rivera. I think of K-Rod, Francisco Rodriguez. Uh, there are plenty of relievers who are, again, as you said, very well, highly coveted in the MLB these days. And teams don't rely on the starting pitcher. Again, you have a guy like Sandy Alcantara who comes out for the Marlins. He's thrown two complete games this year, and he's an ace. As you mentioned, Garrett Cole for the New York Yankees. Um, Shohei Otani is starting to reach those those levels, both as a pitcher and a hitter. So, but even those guys, I mean, again, we're talking. I'm talking about Sandy Alcantara for the Marlins, who is seen as I think at this year, at this year especially, a top five pitcher, and he's only thrown two complete games at this point. So. Take that into consideration when you think he would have to average 40 over 19 straight years to tie Cy Young's record. Yeah, that's just absolutely insane to think about. There's a reason that the, the pitcher's award is named after him. There's a reason that he's seen as, you know, there's a reason he's seen at the level that he is. There's a reason that the Cy Young means so much, and it's because the legacy he brought behind it. Again, it bothers me because I do see people, if you bring up this argument, that Cy Young was just otherworldly. And people will agree with you, but at the same time, they say, what well, was a different era? Well, we still talk about Ted Williams being one of the most renowned hitters of all time. We talk about Babe Ruth. We talk about uh, Otis Wagner being one of the best fielders of all time. People like that. Satchel Page reportedly threw one of the fastest fastballs of all time back in those days too, a little bit later on, obviously. But why can't we take these these years into consideration, especially when the record is just that absurd? You got to think, even though the hitting talent may not be to the level it is today, he had to have been doing something right to pitch over 700, almost 750 complete games and have 500 wins. Just an uh, absurd stat. He, he also was a triple crown winner at one time. Cy Young, just an unbelievable, just a, ba- a, a baseball player, just in general. Uh, Cam, any comments? Any other uh, questions or anything like that? Um, well, I was going to say I'm not super knowledgeable about baseball, but in the little baseball I do watch, it does seem that like pitchers are taken out of the game more often, like rotate in and out more often. So I think that kind of like it makes me appreciate the award more and like appreciate just like the stat itself. That's the main reason when you're talking about the the, the main two teams – that people talk about when it comes to the postseason are one who has the two aces that can go nine or at least go eight. Yeah, you, know, you think back with the Giants with Madison Bumgarner, and you think back with if the Mets would ever figure it out had they had Cindergard and DeGrom, if they could get into the postseason, they were always dangerous and lethal. You talk about the Dodgers even with the starting pitchers. They've had Walker Bueller, uh, Clayton Kershaw once again, Zach Grinke back in the day. I mean, they were always dangerous. And when you're talking about this past year was the Atlanta Braves, and it was their bullpen that carried them. Of course, Max Freed gave them a couple of good starts here and there, Charlie Morton as well, but it was the bullpen that got them there, and that's why bullpens are so are looked at so heavily these days. But when it comes to a starting pitcher, like Underwood said earlier, if your starting pitcher gets you six gets you six innings and two only two runs given up, you are perfectly happy with that result nine out of ten times. Um, and it's just something that the way the game has changed, it is still theoretically possible if some team wanted to go back 100 years and they just had this god of a player that could do it and it could keep up with the physical wear and tear. But as as it stands right now, unless 
unless Cy Young comes walking through that door back there to quote Rick Pitino, they're, they're not going to, this record will, will stand the test of time. Any other comments, concerns before I spin the wheel for the next one? No, that was a good pick. I thought about this one as well. That was a that was a good pick. I think I think probably you probably like you said you probably could have went with any of Cy Young's records and it would have been fine to talk about like <laughs> Cy Young just an unbelievable athlete in general. It, it, I could like you said I could have picked wins, I could have picked losses, I could have picked innings pitch, I could have picked anything he's done. The dude is basically the Wilt Chamberlain of baseball. And even then, Wilt's right. Yeah, it, like they're both pretty comparable when it comes to that. Spinning the wheel for the next one, it will be Logan going second here. So Logan, awesome. take it away. So I guess since you were talking about themes earlier, uh, you've you've picked some some baseball picks, and me, I haven't I haven't stuck to a single sport like you did, but I I'm. I'm pretty much chosen sports that are outside of what we consider to be like the big four in American sports. So, and that's going to continue today because the record I've chosen is the all time men's javelin throwing record. So the reason that this is an unbreakable record is because the rules are different. Now the sticks are made differently and uh, you can't throw it as far as you used to be able to. Going into 1984, there was uh, they were having some issues with the javelin throws as it was the sticks were not sticking into the ground and they were having controversy. They were saying, hey, are we able to count them if they just kind of fall? Like, do they have to stick into the ground in order for it to count? So... Um, that was already a growing concern. And then here comes Uwe Hahn from East Germany. Throws the javelin a record of 104.8 meters. So the he was basically throwing it into the crowd at the Olympic stadiums. And it was a growing concern because people would be stretching on the other end, getting ready for running events. And there were even people at Olympics who had been hit by a javelin throw while they were competing. Uh, so during that time, he hit the record and keep in mind, second place at the time for the record was at 99 meters. So he broke the record by five meters. Um, you will no, never hear Uwe Hahn again. He it's it's almost like after the rule change, it, it's just he dropped out of uh, out of javelin throw. So in 1989, they changed the rule and the javelins were redesigned. They made the center of balance different. They kind of worked out, tweaked some things, and um, towards the end, uh, some of them started having like divots in in dimples put into it, and they had a serrated tail. And it would it would make it more aerodynamic. It'd make it fly further. So, in 1996, Seppo uh, Ratu from Finland broke the rec broke what it was at that time the record because the 104 couldn't be they couldn't allow it as a record anymore. Um, so, it comes in 96 is put in as the new record, almost 97. Um, and then in 1991, 
it gets changed again. Uh, the IAAF in Tokyo outlawed the serrated tail. So the record changes again. Everyone that had a serrated tail is gone now. And it goes back to an old record from 1990. So then it comes up and the current world record is at 98.48 meters by Jan Jelzny uh, from the Czech Republic. And this was in 1996. The record has not changed since then. Now, there there was a, a recent uh, Olympian who got close uh, in, 2000, in 2020. Uh, Johannes Vetter from Germany got second place in the world record category with a 97.76, which is just behind that 98 number. Um, but the original 104 is considered an inter- eternal world record as it is never, it's probably never going to be touched. I mean, uh, Johans is probably going to get close to the current record, but I don't know realistically it, unless the javelin physically changes again, if he'll ever get close to that 104 number ever again. Um, also had some stats from this current Olympics to kind of put into perspective where the average is. Um, in order to go and compete, uh, you had to make the qualifier, and the qualifier, the automatic qualifier was 83.5 meters. Uh, and the top 12 get to go, and if you automatically qualify, if 12 qualify, then you go, and so on and so forth. Only the top six made the automatic qualifier, and the, the rest after that went on. Um, the gold medal winning throw was 87.85 or 58 meters, and which is considerably far away from 104. It's it's even far away from the the current record, which is 98. So that's it's it's considered an, an eternal world record, and that's uh, it's just crazy to think <laughs> that they were throwing the old javelin stick so far that it was actually hitting people, <laughs> and th- they had to change it. I, I love when you bring these these topics to the table too because it definitely brings in sports that not many people think about and it's again I've mentioned this when you talked about the gymnastics um, the gymnastic story in the first episode this the Olympics is so much harder than people may think it is to get into of course it's the trope that people train their entire lives to get into the Olympics and of course they do but I don't think people really realize how tough and how how crazy that is I mean over over a hundred meters throwing a javelin you think about uh, you know some it'd be similar to throwing around uh, again I don't know exactly how the translation goes from metric to um things like that I think- but a football it's, a, it's it's like about um 323 feet is the current uh record so he threw it a football field basically yeah i mean that's uh that's absurd you sit here and you think yes we, we get so accustomed to i don't think people realize people throw footballs you look up and patrick mahomes is throwing the ball 70 yards down the field on a dot and things like that and it's it's crazy this dude threw a javelin 30 something yards longer if not more, based on how exactly the the translations go between it. It's just an absurd feat. The only thing I will say is 
Again, now physics physics may say it may it's obviously not going to be possible unless the javelin does change. Obviously, our our society it seems like our athletes are. I mean, you look at again, it's the trope too. You go back and you think back in the day of. Uh, Bill Russell and Wilt Chamberlain. The reason they were so dominant was because you looked around and they were they weren't playing with people who were close to athletic ability. And I think our society, our the athletes in professional athletics today are just you know miles different from what it was back in the day. But still, like you said, physically it's not possible unless the javelin does change. So. I think that considering again, and also taking into consideration just how how little people actually pay attention to things like the Olympics. I always love when you bring these topics up, and I think that's a great choice as well. I mean, on, honestly, like, and I know this is going to sound funny, but I mean, it really it really makes sense. Like, this is something that we as people have technically been doing since we became people, like throwing sticks at things, like. You know, after after people were done hunting, like way back when, they probably like got all the men together and were like, "Hey, let's see how far we can throw these sticks." Like, I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it was. So, like, you know, to think that we hit that peak of stick throwing in nineteen eighty in nineteen eighty four, and it now now like we could throw sticks far, but we can't throw it as far as we. <laughs> used to be able to. I, I bet I can hit that rabbit over that mountain over there, Uncle Rico out here. Underwood, any, right. any comments after after that? Yeah, so this one's interesting because, like like I said, it's always cool to see what sport you bring in. And um, this is not one that I can say I'm very knowledgeable upon. Um, but it's kind of the mold of an unbreakable rule because, like you said, unless they change the current rule. And while you were talking, I was also thinking, you know how crazy it would be? is that let's say you at at one point you throw it 95 or whatever right which at that point is like 10th all time and then they change the rule and then you're just oh now you're the record holder so yeah exactly 20 years no. after you've done something yeah that, <laughs> that's, that's what happened to, um in when they changed the rule to where you couldn't use the serrated tail anymore uh steve backley from great britain all, all was all of a sudden the world record holder like <laughs> because the top four all used a serrated tail, so they had to be disqualified from the record. It, it's <laughs> so that's exactly what happened, and that's what I will. I will say. I will say this. I kind of don't like that they just took the record away. I get it. I understand why they had to disqualify him technically, but at that point, just say he still has the record. Like I don't like the idea of just taking it away because. Oh, sorry, you used something that would... It'd be the equivalent... A good example, if you if you haven't seen it before, please Google Lester Hayes, the football player, because I guarantee you the first image that comes up is his hands that he's showing, and they are absolutely covered in stickum. It is unbelievable how much stickum is on his hands. And the same thing... Oh, like, I see it, Jer yes. Jerry Rice. Oh, Jerry Rice used to use stick him and things like... Well, at, at least a little, he did. And the thing is, it, that would be the equivalent of saying, well, sorry, or a good example as well, Barry Bonds. I mean, obviously people don't necessarily hold him. People, like, a lot of people put him at asterisk next to his home run total. But we still recognize him as the all-time leader in home runs with 761. For this to them to just say, hey, you know that impressive thing that you did that no human in history has ever done or ever will do again? Well, it didn't happen. Sorry. Like, I don't I don't know if I like that, but 
I like that it gets representation here. Yes, I think that should be an unbreakable record. I think that fits the mold of an unbreakable record really well. So, yeah, they have, uh, so, when you go to Javelin Throw, it they have it as three separate categories. They have the the old stick, the new stick, and then the serrated stick. Under so, Logan, were you able to find anything... Were you able to find anything about the the guy who broke the record with the 104 throw? Like, what happened? I know you said that he kind of just disappeared from throwing well, at that point, but so where um, did he go? We had to go somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so um, he was from East Germany, uh, and I'm I'm not a, an expert on history. I'm not sure when the the wall came down, but um, it, it, it all. Uh, I'm, I'm just kind of scrolling through his achievements right now. Um, it, it also says that uh, his name was Uwe Hahn, uh, just so that we know. And it says he was six foot six and weighed 112 kilograms. Um, does anyone know right off the top of their head with that, how much that weighs? <laughs> uh, 112. Oh, it says 265 pounds. I see now. Big guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> big, big man. Um, yeah. But no, it looks like literally after, like he had a, he had a World Cup gold medal in 1985, which was the year after he broke the record. But it, it seems like after they changed the rules in 1986, he just kind of fell away from the sport. It seems. That's crazy. Is the, I mean, he needed that stick, man. He needed the special kind of stick in order to throw oh. very far. Oh wait! It looks like he's a he's a coach now. I mean, that's fair. I would say I would hope the guy who throws over a hundred meter javelin <laughs> could be a coach at some point. Okay, it looks like he was the coach for the guy in the twenty twenty Olympics that won the gold medal. Uh, his name is Niraj Chopra um, from India. A redemption story. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Cam. Any other any other comments or anything like that? Oh, I just love the uh, the randomness the Logan brings. I just love the uh, I don't know. It's just funny the stick throwing, the conversation. Just all that, that, I mean, that's fun. literally what it was. I want a stick. I mean, and like I'm looking at a picture of it right now. Like it's a big stick. Like <laughs> and javelins are bigger than people think. Like when you go and yeah. you look at them in the Olympics, that's what I'm saying. Like you sit here and people think that yeah, obviously everyone knows how tough it is to actually get to the Olympics. But when you actually take it into consideration and you look, like people think it's funny. Like oh, this dude has spent his entire life just throwing sticks in order to get into an event. But when you look, it's you know, like I said, like I said, the, it's it's way bigger than it seems. It's way you know tougher than it seems, and it just it's one of those crazy things that yes, they it, it really does take practicing your entire life in order to make it to the Olympics. I'm not lying to you. I'm watching people throw javelins right now on YouTube. Like you, <laughs> anyone that's listening to this, when you get a chance, you need to watch just how they throw. It's crazy because they have the line that you can't cross, and they get as close as they can, and then they just like. It's kind of like when you um when you're on a balance beam and you're about to fall forward and like you you're doing the circle thing with your arms. That's what it looks like they're doing every time they throw the stick. It's the same thing too with like when you're talking about long jump, how close they, they know how close they can get to the line without going over. It's just they have it down to an exact science and it's crazy. All right. So 
Logan brings forth the longest javelin throw, longest men's javelin throw in Olympic history, which is still, I don't like they took that that record away from him technically, but I will get over it. <laughs> Up next will be Cam. So Cam will be the next presenter here. Um, Cam, what have you brought to what is it? What have you brought for us? All right, I brought something that's kind of different change of pace for me i'm going to be talking about tiger woods and i'm going to be talking about how he had spent over 13 years as number one golfer now obviously this isn't consecutive but he also holds countless amount of awards including the fact that he was the youngest number one in the world at 21 years old in 1997 after winning the masters but I don't know. Golf is such a hard sport, and obviously, Blake, I know you understand this because we've golfed together, and it's just, I don't know, Tiger Woods is just inspirational because he changed the way golf is, and just the fact that he spent over 281 weeks as the number one golfer consecutively, and in total spent 683 weeks as number one in his over his whole career. Over 13 years as number one. The second person behind that is Greg Norman, and he only had 331 weeks, and that's the reason I think that this record just will never be broken, and I don't think anyone will ever even come close to it. I love this pick. I'm just gonna. I will go ahead and tell you because I actually just had this conversation with my brother last week. Um, Tiger is one that when you're talking about the pinnacle of excellence and. It's hard, you know, in golf, in, in basketball, when you have a guy like LeBron, don't get me wrong, I'm not discrediting anything LeBron James has done over the entirety of his career because the man is just, I'm not convinced he's human. But when you have the field with the amount of people that PGA has, because a PGA, a, a major field is about 100, is a little over 100 golfers, depending on what tournament it is. Just unbelievable. And, and he was going into every tournament and you were shocked if he didn't win it. Or at least top five. It's just ridiculous. The other record I considered was Jack Nicklaus's because if, if Tiger's not going to reach that, Jack Nicklaus has the most major wins in in uh, PGA history. But uh, and also you want to talk about it now. I mean, Scotty Scheffler is number one golfer in the world right now, and he hasn't been up there for that long. He's and he's in his mid twenties. So when you take into consideration, Tiger was starting to play professional events when, by the time he was sixteen years old. And I think you, you know, I'm gonna, I will, I, I, I'm like Kanye here. I'm gonna let you finish, but I love this pick because my, yeah, Tiger, prime Tiger Woods. There's not a better golfer in history. I'll be honest. I think prime Tiger Woods is the goat. I mean, there's not even a question in my eyes. I mean, this man literally went to every event, and especially in golf, you're literally one shot away from losing a tournament at any point. You can play perfect for three days of the tournament up to the 17th hole of the last day, and it just takes one shot, and you could pretty much lose it all. So that's just the other thing is, like, how dedicated Tiger was. And obviously he overcame a lot of adversity with, like, back injuries and things that were off of the uh, golf course. But I don't know. Over 13 years as number one, it's just – I think it's going to take a lot to break the record. I mean, I personally think it just – it might be broken. It just won't happen in our lifetime. A prime example I will go ahead and say as well, when you're talking about how how 
uh, stressful golf can be. A perfect example was the Open just a couple weeks ago. Roy McIlroy was on top. Him um, and Victor Hovland going into the last day, they were eight. Roy was eighteen under in the tournament. He goes through and he shoots even par on the last day, but he loses because Cameron Smith comes in, I believe, and shoots like six under on the day and takes the last day. I mean, it is impressive to consistently stay at that top peak form with the level of talent that's around you as well. And Tiger's had his off-the-course issues. He's had his rivalries with people like Sergio Garcia back in the past as well. But again, peak Tiger Woods at the top of his game, I would I would agree with you. There's not a golfer, to me in my eyes, that even comes close to the level of a golfer he was. Um, the thing I want to mention is... Uh... Just how much Tiger Woods pretty much changed the game of golf. I think Tiger, I mean, he pretty much saved golf, in my opinion. He brought in a whole new generation of younger people like myself and others who got to watch Tiger Woods growing up. And it's just, the things that that man could do were ridiculous. I mean, it just really is. You don't get video games named after yourself for quite some time without being something special. And that's what Tiger Woods PGA Tour games, that's why they were called what they were. Uh, Logan Underwood, any comments? Yeah, I wanted to add. Um, you 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 mentioned this earlier, but he he also has the record for the most consecutive weeks at number one, um, at two hundred and eighty one. To to put that into perspective, he held that title of number one from June twelfth of two thousand and five until October thirtieth of two thousand and ten. That's over five years of being number one. So that's that's also insane. Um, last time Tiger Woods was number one was in 2014, and I mean that's when he broke the record of most cumulative weeks weeks at number one. So yeah, I think that's it's crazy to think about. I mean, I I didn't even know about this. I'm not gonna lie, I know zero about golf. I I had a sister that played golf. I not a clue. Like I I, I every time I see the golf clubs in the house. I just all I do is I take the driver out and I say I'm going to drive you crazy and then I put it back and never touch it again. Like that's just how it is. And I'm going to say this to help Cam's point as well. You say that if I asked you to name another golfer on the tour, you probably couldn't. But you knew Tiger Woods. Like everybody knew Tiger Woods was <laughs> one of the most recognizable athletes in America. I think you know when you're talking about athletes in general or just you know those types of figures LeBron James is probably number one then Tom Brady I think I don't think I'm that far off base Tiger Woods is probably maybe a top five most famous sports figure in America I I would definitely agree with that because if you're if you're talking about the entire world I mean you're going to have people like Cristiano Ronaldo and other people like yeah so other other players in soccer as soccer is much more popular abroad than it is here in the uh the u.s but um definitely tiger woods uh like you said lebron steph curry tom brady definitely bringing especially to for a sport that not a lot of people think about but it's kind of in recent years gotten more popular by casual help with that casual and professional players under, I saw you unmuted. If you'd like to go ahead and say your piece. Yeah, so my view on it, and like it's pretty noted. I mean, you guys know uh, golf is not an interest of mine. I'm absolutely horrible at it. Um, 
and I do not watch it, but exactly, you give me a wedge, and I will wedge it eight (laughs) times to the hole, and we'll call it a triple double bogey or whatever, Um, but I kind of like listening to you guys talk, it kind of reminds me of how AI, Alan Iverson, kind of made the NBA cool, so I mean, the NBA was already popular, right, but when Alan Iverson came in, and Alan Iverson's from Virginia, so representation from there. But when he came in with all of his tattoos and his swag on the court, and he would hit crossovers, and he had his headband, and he'd let you know when he scored on you, it kind of. Then we saw like the 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 young children. They get the tattoo sleeves, right? They have their headband. They go play like AI. So that's kind of how I'm listening to it and taking it for Tiger Woods for everybody else. Is they saw Tiger play golf and they're like, oh, he plays it cool. He does the the fist pump after he he hits the putt. We I want to go try that. I want to be like Tiger. So that's how I take it. Tiger was the first one to popularize the club twirl as well. When you're talking about, yeah, pros do it all the time on the tour now. But if you, when he hit a big drive, he made sure you knew about it because he twirled the club and he'd catch it. And it just looks so cool. And like you mentioned, Alan, obviously the do rags, the the, the rants, the the mo- yeah. I mean, it's a it's a perfect example. AI. We look at LeBron and Alan or Le- LeBron and Michael Jordan as far as goat debate between a lot of people. But when you're talking about the person who made it cool to be an NBA fan, who really brought that swagger, I would say that honestly, the two guys, and I'm gonna say one too that may not sh- may shock some people. The two guys I think that brought that flame back in the early 2000s was Allen Iverson and Vince Carter. Vince Carter was another one who really just you watched him fly all over the place. Air Canada. You know, it, it, it made NBA so much more fun to watch. Tiger Woods did the same thing. And like Cam said, I agree. Tiger Woods saved golf, saved professional golf. And it's the same reason that he has not, he won the Masters uh, back, I believe it was 2018. I could be mistaken about the year. Uh, he won the Masters. That's his last major win. And even then, when he still comes out, he missed the cut in the open. And yet he is still, he's got a featured group on ESPN. He's got, herds of people following him every hole it's still the tiger effect um for a reason and he is the single most impressive uh short sample of golf and is by far the most famous golfer in pj history i did some searching and uh i found a list of the most recognized u.s athletes and uh from number one, it is Tiger Woods is the most recognized U.S. athlete. And the only thing that it says in the article about him after naming him number one is just says, yup, steal. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I will I will say I think LeBron has that honor for being the most recognizable. Well, see, this, is, this, this is older. Um, okay. Um, I, but even even so, it's it's about that 2015, 2016 era. Um, so it. Like you said, LeBron right now is probably more recognizable, especially since Tiger hasn't been number one since 2014. But again, because yeah, t- times always change, you know. I'd still argue, like again, still are. Even though I think it's LeBron, I think Tom Brady's probably right after that. But I mean, Tiger Woods is. I I will say this, other than maybe at this point, but even then, not really. Tiger Woods is still probably twice as known as Shohei Otani the most famous baseball player in America right now. I mean, that I think that mm. you're talking about baseball. There's not a soccer player unless, you know, um, a, a, again, in the United States, that is. Of course, you have guys like Cristiano Ronaldo and Messi. Um, but I would say LeBron. I would say Tom Brady. And honestly, unless someone can name maybe Patrick Mahomes at this point. But after that, Tiger Woods, I think he's got to be at least top five, maybe even top three. 
most this, notable this, athletes. This list also has Tony Romo at number twelve. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew that was now. I knew that was gonna get some. Uh... <laughs> oh, Danica Patrick's on here. All right. Well, if no one else has any other comments, I'll go ahead and spin the wheel. Hey, Underwood, it's going to land on you. Just a spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> you a prophet in the future? I don't know, man. I, I have some moments that I, see, I think I can. All right, take it away. All right. So what I have decided to do mine on is, like talked about his, is his style is more baseball. So I think that my style is more basketball. And as I've recently been appointed the head girls coach at Christiansburg High School, um, I've taken a bigger interest in learning the history um, of women's sports and women's athletics, um, most importantly, women's basketball for myself. So the record that I've chosen is a coaching record, um, and it is from Pat Summit. So Pat Summit coached the Tennessee Volunteers for 38 years. In those 38 years, she had approximately zero losing seasons. She had a perfect season. So what that means is she had more perfect seasons than she had losing seasons over the course of 38 years of coaching basketball. That is absolutely insane. I'll get into a little bit how the course of basketball has changed in recent times. Um, but Pat Summit took over the, the job at Tennessee when she was 22 years old. Um, so that means that there were there had to be players that were barely younger than she was, maybe a year younger. So she's 22 years old, and at this point, the NCAA didn't recognize um, women's sports, women's athletics as competition. Um, so she's basically coaching an intramural-style team. Um, but she, still, she was 22 years old, starting a program um, at what is now one of the most respected programs in the country. Um, so 22 years old, coaching 21, 20, 19, 18-year-olds, right around the same age. Uh, she took over the program. She has a little bit of coaching experience before, um, but her program consists of only girls from Tennessee schools. Okay, and we have to think about the time period that we're in. When girls played basketball at this point in Tennessee, it was a six-person game, in which the offensive players never left the offensive side of the floor. The defensive players never left the defensive side. You had designated players, and that's how the ball was rotated. Um, so your defensive players stayed down here. Offensive players stayed down here. Defense would defend. Offense would offense, <laughs> offense score, and that's how the game went. Um, so she's basically teaching a brand new sport to these girls, um, and her recruiting range isn't like it is today. Like, she can't go down to Florida and get the best five-star recruits, right? She is forced to work with these girls who may or may not be the most talented, um, and she leads them to a winning season. Um, her very first game ever, she lost by one point. Um, it took her a month to get her next win. Uh, but going down the list, and this is a long list, so going down the list of her season by season for 38 years, her first season, 1974, um, she finished with an overall record of 16 and 8. I'm just going to read down the, the list of the records. 16 and 11, 28 and 5, 27 and 4, 30 and 9, 33 and 5, 25 and 6, 22 and 10, 25 and 8, 23 and 10, 22 and 10, 24 and 10, 28 and 6. So this is 1986 currently. So now we hit this stretch where Pat Summit's able to put together a program where she can get any recruit she wants. Um, everybody wants to go play for Pat Summit. They want to go play for the Tennessee Volunteers because in 1986 they won the NCAA championship. And when you win the NCAA championship, people want to play for you. So the very next year she goes 31 and three, 35 and two, 27 and six, 30 and five NCAA champions, 28 and three, 29 and three, 31 and two, 34 and three, 32 and four, 29 and 10. 
NCAA champions back to back. Thirty nine and zero three peat NCAA champions. Thirty one and three. 33 and 4, 31 and 3, 29 and 5, 33 and 5, 31 and 4, 30 and 5, 31 and 5, 34 and 3, 36 and 2, 22 and 11, 32 and 3, 34 and 3, and then 2011, 2012, her last season, she was 27 and 9. Um, so if you look at the lineage of this program that she created, the, <laughs> the worst record that she had, 16 and 11, a lot of coaches would enjoy that. And it, at that point, like I said, it wasn't really recognized as an NCAA division where they could be in a tournament, but they finished second in their state um, to finish there. And then the next year, they were able to make the Final Four. So what that means is at every single point of her coaching career, every single girl that played for her made the NCAA tournament and made at least the Elite Eight. That is absolutely insane. At that point, it's it's like Alabama. Like Alabama at this point, we assume they're going to be in the national championship. It's almost like clockwork. But there was a period of 38 years where when Tennessee women's basketball took the floor, if they lost, if they lost, lost big, it was a shock. They never they didn't lose. Um, and the, the current state of basketball with the transfer portal and I'm, I'm a supporter of the transfer portal. I think that we should give athletes the ability to change their mind. Um, and we can't really pigeonhole them into one thing because right now they are not getting paid. I know they have some NIL deals and things like that. But the way the transfer portal is right now and the limits on coaching and what you can and can't do. I don't think this record will ever be close to being touched, um, especially the length of it with 38 consecutive seasons. Um, now you bring up Coach K, uh, if we're talking about the collective basketball um, coaching world, um, but a lot of people don't know that Coach K, when he first started at Army, he had a losing record after three seasons. Um, we know him now as the winningest coach of all time, but Coach K had a losing record through three seasons, and they were going to fire him. They, they, the parents wrote letters at Army wanting him fired, saying he didn't know what he was doing. The AD stood, stood up for him, uh, gave him some more time, and then the rest is history. Um, so Pat Summit, Coach K, probably the two. I mean, you bring in John Wooden with the championships. But even John Wooden, right, even though he didn't coach for as long as a long period as Pat Summit, um, he still didn't win 38 consecutive seasons without a losing record. And 16-11 and 11 is not even close to a losing record. Um, so when I was doing the research on this, I already knew how good of a coach Pat Summit was just from, you know, researching different style coaches and what has worked for certain people. Um, but I didn't know that she didn't have a losing season. And I did not know that she completely dominated the 80s um, with her style of coaching. And we have to think about it like this, too. We, she, she was done in 2011, 2012, and she was basically named head coach for life. Um, so she was able to be given the title of head coach for the rest of her um, life and the afterlife. Um, but she died young. She died at the age of 64 after having onset Alzheimer's. Um, and I personally don't know if the, the Alzheimer's was a reason for her stepping down. Um, but assuming that she wasn't done coaching at the, <laughs> the age of uh, 58 when everything started to happen health-wise, it could have gone on for many, many, many more years. J Jim Beheim is near 300,000 years old, and he is still coaching. Um, Tom Izzo is getting up there, too, Bob Huggins. So this dynasty could have gone even longer. So that's why I picked that. I know that was kind of long-winded, but I was pretty passionate about it. Um, 38 consecutive winning seasons as a coach, never had a losing season. Um, eight NCAA championships, countless Final Fours, just a monster. I want to say a few things. First off, good job. You, you, you picked something near and dear to my heart, first off, with the University of Tennessee. That's something that uh, some brownie points to you. But I will say this, you, you compared it to Alabama. Um, Alabama football, 
Alabama football, we all know. I mean, it's they're they're the, they're the consensus number. They're, they're always top four at the beginning of every season, if not number one. Um, I think it's crazy that they've spent more weeks at number one in the AP poll. It's just the, the records they've set is unbelievable. That's only been going on since Nick Saban went to Alabama in the late two thousands. Now take into consider or the mid two thousands. Now take into consideration that that Alabama dynasty. Even if you want to say from the mid eighties when Pat Summit really hit her stride and started building that program up uh, into the the monster and the powerhouse that we know it to be. That's over twenty years, almost thirty years of Alabama-style dominance on college basketball. And a lot of people want to point out Gino, uh, Gino Ariema and things like that, but Pat Summit was the original uh, main face of, of college basketball. Like you said, you mentioned Coach K. I would say Pat Summit was, yeah, he, she made him have been as, as big of a household name as Coach K and things like that, like the Dean Smiths of the world. But she was by far, in a way, the most famous figure in in women's basketball at that point. And when you take into consideration, like you said, she didn't have much to start off. Most coaches don't. When they get that first opportunity, there's a reason that the keys are being handed to a first time. You don't give the keys of a championship contender typically to a first-time head coach unless you're the Boston Celtics and that coach just happens to be Ime Udoka and you make the NBA finals because he's he's brilliant. Uh so the, there's, but in this case, she wasn't. She didn't have much, and yet she was still dominant. She still was dominant all the way up until the end. Uh, and it's yeah, I think I think uh, Pat Summit is one of. Unfortunately, I don't want to say them one of the more forgotten figures, just because I think uh, basketball fans know her and appreciate everything she does. But like you said, the extent of what all she did. That's the, There's a reason why Tennessee holds on to her her legacy as much as they do. There's a reason that the women's college basketball... You know, Gina Ariama, again, a lot of people say may be considered the, you know, may be considered the greatest women's college basketball coach of all time. But they're still always going to talk about Pat Summit because of the continued dominance over the entire stretch of her resume. Um, I think, you know, Ariama, at, his teams at the peak were the best women's college basketball teams we've ever seen. But... From a beginning to end, entire stretch, never having a losing season. It was I, I, for that long. It's something that dreams are made of. And Pat Summit, like you, like you said, may she rest in peace. Um, a huge loss because she was some. She was an unbelievable figure in in, in women's athletics, not just college basketball. I wanted to add onto that. Um, there, like, there's a reason why she's in the Basketball Hall of Fame. And, you know, through the excellence that uh, she has given to the game of basketball, especially to what um, the Tennessee Volunteers. But there's only one women's D1 basketball coach that has more wins than Pat Summit did. And uh, they're a current coach and they only have one more win. So that and they've also played four more seasons than Pat Summit has. So that's that's insane to think about. And that goes on to how you know, so many consecutive winning seasons, you know, you can make up that difference. So that's insane. And with, with Gino Ariema, um, he started in 1985. So we've got to think of the time period that Pat Summit was starting to. And Gino Ariema is, is close to the record. So maybe this may not be the most unbreakable. Gino may get it. Um, and he is a very good coach too. But 
let's think about the time period that she's taking over. She took over 11 years before Gina Wariyama as her first head coaching job. She's taken over as a 22-year-old, um, and I – this is not me bragging, but I am a young head coach for the, the varsity girls, and this is high school basketball, and there are points where it – it is crazy how much we have to do. I cannot imagine being a 22-year-old head coach for a program like a Tennessee, even if it wasn't what it is right now back in that day. Um, that is crazy to think about. She was still attending classes as a master's degree candidate um, while trying to coach a team, while trying to be a young adult. Nobody has their life figured out at 22 years old. Uh, that's being a role model, and then she's able to coach that to that level for that long is insane. She has some of the, and this is a, this doesn't matter about the topic, but she has some of the best X's and O's five out offensive wise. We use a lot of them. I use a ton of the, the different styles of um, cuts and principles and rules um, in my current offense that I've created. Um, so she was way ahead of her game. So there's 11 years in there. So if we take the 11 years where she started, where women's basketball, and women's basketball still doesn't get the same respect that it should. But if we take that 11 years between her and January and starting, and we kind of flip it to now, um, I, don't, I don't think it would be close. I think that um, she would be just in the same boat with the 40 and 0 season. She might be 39 and 1, and she probably has a few more NCAA championships. Yeah, Gina Oriam is 68 years old, by the way, and and so yeah, I mean the fact it it really was a shame that what like like I said what happened with, uh, with Pat just because again she was the lifeline it, it and that was the thing it was her and Gino actually had a bit of a friendly rivalry there for a bit Tennessee and Connecticut got tight for a while there and so I, I agree with you. Uh, the efforts of Pat Summit unfortunately did not get recognized nearly as much as they should because not only was she and also I mean I mean if you have if you ever need a pick me up and you just want to at and kill some time, go look up some Pat Summit quotes because they'll have you wanting to run through a brick wall. <laughs> she was an incredible she was an incredible coach and yeah, I mean I good brownie points for you for picking a team close to near and dear to my heart and a player or a, as a, a figure near dear to my heart because like I said I don't think Pat Summit gets nearly enough credit as as she as much nearly as much credit as she should for the effort she put in. Uh I definitely agree. Cam Logan, any other comments? I don't think there's anything more to say. I mean like <laughs> you know go Pat Summit and may she rest in peace. Cam I was just gonna say also rest in peace Pat Summit. But all right, so basically, again, if you are new here, what we are going to do now is we are going, I'm going to have everybody, you could send in your votes to me. Um, they're going to be sending that to me privately, and I will be spinning this wheel you see on the screen right now for Spotify listeners. Again, there is a wheel on the screen with each of our names, and we will, whoever it lands on, I will reveal their vote, and they will have a chance to explain why they picked uh, who they picked. So we will go ahead and check out the wheel here. The first vote being announced will be Underwoods. So Underwood, if you could go ahead and send in your vote to me and I will go ahead and announce it. I have texted it to you, sir. Got it. Underwood's vote for episode five of Taking Heat is Blake, myself. Underwood, why did you pick my record? So, I, 
everybody's was very very good um Cameron you lose points for me not because of a bad topic it's a great topic it's just because I'm not that big of a golf fan so it doesn't have the same pull for me right I understand the greatness of, of Tiger and um I, it, putting it in basketball terms being the number one golfer in the world I guess is like being the best score either the scoring record or something like that um so it's not because of a bad topic it's solely just because I don't have the same interest in golf um but I respect it as a sport um Logan your sport was awesome I thought it was a very interesting uh topic to pick keep picking the random ones those are cool um but I, I just don't think that anyone will ever, ever, ever come close to touching that Cy Young record. I just know how common baseball is today, and people throw so hard. Like mentioned, they're only in the league average of 11 years or 11 seasons. Um, there's no way they're touching it. They're, you can't get through a complete game. Every time a complete game is done now, it's like, wow, they threw a complete game. That's notable. Let's write that down. For Cy Young, it's it was common. When he didn't throw a complete game, you were probably like, what in the world's going on? Why isn't he finishing the game? Um, so that, that's why I picked it. I, everybody chose great topics. Cam and Logan, you guys did good. But I just don't think anyone's ever, ever going to touch that in baseball. For reference, again, you're saying it, when he didn't complete a, have a complete game, you're wondering what happened. Um, 749 complete games, 815 total starts. So that's right. less than 100 starts that he didn't finish. Um, just absurd. So, one vote for myself. The next person whose vote will be revealed will be Cam's. So, Cam, I will pull your vote from my my inbox. And it goes to Logan. Cam, why'd you pick Logan's record? I, uh, I enjoy the record for the person who can throw the stick the longest and logan was able to present that to me today and so, honestly, see, you, just... you discovered something new today you, you, maybe you can be a champion stick thrower <laughs> can't throw it that far but no i voted for that just because it's it's just unique obviously there's a lot of records that will never be broken but i think this is just one that's i don't know i just don't it's gonna be. It's gonna take a lot for someone to throw a stick that far. <laughs> so one vote for me, one vote for Logan. So far, we will spin the wheel between. I accidentally. Okay, so it will be me who is revealing their vote next. Logan, you will be the deciding vote. Um, I w- I'm gonna go ahead and say that. You know, I, I really liked everybody's topic here. Everybody's topic was fantastic. Uh, Logan, yours, again, just one, the storytelling got me too. just the the <laughs> ability to because, again, when you hear the longest javelin throw, you're not really paying, you don't you, you don't realize that there's different eras of javelin throwing. You don't realize that there's different types of javelins they used over the years, uh, maybe different uh, situations or surroundings. But you really sold me on that. Uh, and Cam with Tiger Woods, again, an athlete's near and dear to my heart because he was, again, he's the reason that a lot of us got into golf in the first place. Um, and Underwood, you talk about Pat Summit and just a, guy, a, per, or a person that I think does not get nearly enough representation in sports uh, to this day. So everyone had, this decision was very, very hard. Uh, at the end of the day, I have to give my vote to Cam. And the reason is... I think that when you're talking about, because if you think about the current landscape of golfers, like I said, you have guys like Scotty Scheffler who's at the top, but Scotty Scheffler just barely made the cut in a major here recently. 
Uh, and he's not nearly on the same stratosphere as Tiger Woods was. And when you're talking about, it's te- it's technically possible. Sure, you can have a guy who comes in and just wrecks everything and and does it. But three hundred and th- uh, it was uh, what was the exact number again, Cam? The the it was well over. It was about it, it was five years straight. I know that, which is still an unbreakable record to me in itself. But. It's just, again, I don't see anybody coming close because, again, Tiger with the... There has never been a golfer. I don't think there ever will be a golfer in history with how good the rest of the pool is getting that can come in and you say, oh, yeah, that guy's going to win every single week like Tiger Woods was. And when you look at... you know, Again, you look at these days, you have guys like uh, Scotty Scheffler, who's near the top. You have Rory McIlroy, who's always flirting with with a major win. Um Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas. Jordan Spieth still hasn't won a major since I believe 2016, which is absurd. And it's just, there's so many, the talent pool is so much better now. But Tiger Woods, I don't think you're ever going to see a golfer like Tiger Woods ever again. And if you do, it's because there's about 30 of them with the same talent level as Tiger Woods, which is just unbelievable. So Cam gets my vote um, in just this. Just wait till uh, Charlie Woods is playing golf. That's true. Could break his own his his own dad's record, but remains to be seen. So, also, Blake, it was uh, it was six hundred and eighty three total, and then two hundred and eighty one consecutive. Unbelievable. I mean, like I said, I don't think it, knowing the level that the golf that the that golf is at now, you'll never see that level of production ever again. Okay, I'm not. I'm going to be real with you guys right here, right now. Um, I thought Tiger was actually his name. Um, it, it's not, it's Eldrick. Mm-hmm. Tiger was his nickname from an early age. I, I genuinely had no idea. I believe he got that nickname when he was about three years old, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but yeah, Tiger Woods, I think is the epitome of golf and Cam gets my vote for that. So last vote going in will be Logan's and Logan's vote goes to myself. So I get the last vote. Uh, Logan, why'd you pick my record? Well, it kind of went into what um, Underwood was talking about when he picked you. It, you know, putting it in perspective, like nobody is going to get close. Like literally, unless they go back to the old rules, which they never will. <laughs> you can't touch it, probably any of those Cy Young records. Just complete games, regardless. I mean, I, I'm not I'm not the biggest baseball fan, but I played and I've, you know, I've been around people that play baseball. I know the importance of pitching, as that's, you know, the ideal baseball game is literally 100 percent pitching. That's just how it goes. So it's it was crazy to hear about just the absolute dominance that is Cy Young in the game of baseball. And so with that being said, I will take home the champion of this week with my... We need a trophy. I, I, say, I don't know how that works with us being in different places, but we will. We can certainly figure it we'll, out. We'll, I mean, like, we'll just send it through the mail. Like, I mean, <laughs> it, we have a week before recordings, so, like, we can get it for, like, two days and then send it out. <laughs> we'll figure. We'll have to figure something out. But uh, with that being said, I have one this week, so I will be bringing the topic to the table for next week 
in episode six of Taking Heat. So I hope you have enjoyed uh, watching both on YouTube, on Twitch, or listening to on Spotify. Um, again, if you have not got the chance to check us out on Spotify or YouTube, be sure to do so. On YouTube, it is Nuggets Nation 21, and on um, Spotify, it is, of course, Taking Heat. You can look it up on there. As well as, if you find the YouTube video, it'll be in the description so you can follow it, make it a little bit easier so that way you have it on the go whenever you would like it. Um, but if you rather have the visual aspect, we get it. We're on Facebook, or we're, excuse me, we're on YouTube. And as well as, I'm probably going to be streaming these um, whenever I can, uh, whenever I'm not away from this setup. So be sure to check us out on uh, Twitch as well. Anything, any other comments y'all want to make before we sit it off on the fifth episode? Another good one. I'm having a good time with these. I'll, I enjoy this. Cam? I just can't believe we're already through five. We're, uh, we're breezing through. Maybe we got to do a 10th uh, episode special. We'll have to consider that again. It all, it all depends on who wins the ninth one. You got to come up with the, the best tens in sports or something like that we'll figure out something stupid like that to run for the 10th episode so um yeah like i said check out the check out the youtube channel check out the spotify page check it check us out on twitch um I, i'm not gonna promise i stream any any other time because it's just kind of when i feel like it but this one again thursday night 8 30 give or take around that maybe some different times uh, be sure to check us out, follow the Twitch channel, all that good stuff. But yeah, that's going to do it. So for my co-hosts, Cameron Woolwine, Jacob Underwood, and Logan Porter, my name is Blake Holmes. Thank you for listening to Taking Heat. And once again, check us out on any of those platforms listed. And we will see y'all next week.